For most of our history, marriage hasn't been rooted or centered in love, something we consider normal and a must in modern relationships. But love is relatively new to us. So what can love look like? We're, we're just going to go from here and we'll see how it goes. So, Tajanae, why don't you introduce yourself? <laughs> so I, I'm not going to say so. I'm Tajanae. My pronouns are Tajanae they, them, and I am a black queer, agender, polyamorous Kansan. I really love how all these identities intersect and really shape who I am, who I love, my politics, and how I interact with others. I am proudly married to Kevin, who is the co-host of this podcast as well. Um, I also do other shit. If you follow me on Twitter, you know, you know, but we'll get into that in future conversations. But for now, I am so excited to welcome you all to our first episode on learning love a very beautiful, controversial, nuanced topic. And I'm gonna pass it to my bestie. All right, so I am Kevin, as Tajanae mentioned, pronouns he, him. I am a Hispanic cisgender male who also is polyamorous. Um, definitely the introvert out of the two of us. Uh, but, you know, just um, I just really enjoy talking about love, learning about it in all of its forms. And, you know, just that that excitement, that enjoyment has definitely grown since we've ventured into polyamory, um, both in the rewards of love and the challenges that, you know, it poses. So, yeah, don't don't want to just learn about it, but I want to, you know, inform, just talk about it, learn, educate and, you know, empower others because, you know, you can't love you can't love yourself, but you can't love by yourself. So. You know, as, as corny as that all sounds, you know, love is a very fun topic to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I'm really glad he mentioned all that. Uh, if you've been following me or you've known me for a while, you know that having a podcast is something that I've always wanted to do. I tweet about it every three to five business days. Um, never got the podcast equipment, but we do have the opportunity to record now. Um, so from racial justice to shitty politics in Kansas to gender identity, I always felt like I personally needed a space that's larger beyond Twitter to have nuanced conversations about these things that impact me. Um, and with the, a topic like love, polyamory, or relationships, they, inter they intersect with those very same things from racial justice to the politics, um, and they all impact me. Um, so now I get to have these discussions with Kevin, and we have these discussions all the time. We really should just sit in the living room with the mic um, because we have really good conversations about these things and how they intersect. But I get to do this with Kevin and give this space and time to these important, delicate topics. Yeah, and, you know, something else. It, yeah, it's delicate and it's sensitive, and sometimes, you know, it could, it's difficult. But um, what I really love about, you know, just really discussion um, but particularly about subjects like love is that there's no clear answer to them, you know? There's no, you know, definitive one way to go about it. It's just like, but it's also something that um, everyone is aware of. There's not one person, not one human being who isn't aware of the concept of love. Um, and, you know, not just for, you know, its rewards, but its struggles, you know? Everyone has, you know, Highlights and lowlights when it comes to love and you know, you can ask every single person in the world You know their thoughts on love and you know if you really hammer hammer down the details you you'd get a different answer every time I personally believe that um, I, I do I mean I, I said this I'm probably said this already, but I love talking about it um, because 
you know, I don't need to be an expert. No one needs to be an expert to talk about love, but that doesn't mean you can't talk about it or you can't, you know, say a lot about it. You know, when I was thinking about, you know, just writing up this like basic script, I was just thinking about it in the thoughts and the feelings that it gave me. And it started giving me butterflies, you know, not even anxiety, just like mm. an excitement, you know, a little bit of nerves, but um, it's, it's just a very full topic. Yeah, I really love how you mentioned that love is a topic that has no clear answer. Everybody is an expert, but also at the same time, we're not experts. Um, and I think it's important to mention that we aren't here to persuade you into polyamory. We're not experts. We've been doing this for like less than a year. We're not here to change your mind about monogamy. If monogamy is something that you're comfortable with, feel free, go crazy. Um, just feel empowered in that choice. Um, and we're also not looking for a third. So don't think that we're trying to persuade you into our relationship because, you know, this is close. Hopefully, I don't know. Love, I don't know. <laughs> but for me, I think that it challenges or I hope that it challenges what you pre previously thought about love and how you believed in it. I hope this podcast makes you angry. I hope it makes you sad. And I hope it makes you question everything. I hope you have a reaction. Feel free to DM me if it's angry, if it's me and I will block you. But I want you to have a strong reaction to this. Um, because I don't think we question love enough. I think we just settle into whatever is given to us. It's what our parents did. It's what our grandparents did. Um, and this is the way love is supposed to be. This is what love is supposed to look like. And so I at least hope you think really hard about something that has existed for so long. Um, and I hope you join us for future episodes because this is just the beginning. Right. And, um, you know, good segue there and talking about, you know, what we know about love or how we how we perceive it, um, because historically, you know, that's not how we perceive it now is not how it's, you know, been seen, how it's been even been used or utilized, mm. um, you know, by people, by society in the past. Um, so, you know, just really, you know, doing a little background research on this is, is it's something that, you know, a lot of people have been aware of, you know, I mean, arranged marriages and stuff are something that are still practiced in many cultures. But, mm. you know, for the longest time, that was the norm, you know, relationships um, were mostly, you know, used for, you know, resources, you know, money, power, power, you know, um, political um, influence and whatnot. And, you know, really, um, what is it? What, what was the website called? <laughs> um as you can tell, Kevin is like the researcher that's been his background. He's a Virgo. If that means anything to you, I don't read, can't read, very illiterate, not going to do it. Well, I, it's just it's like I said, it's it's, it's an interesting topic, especially um, given our first episode. Love is relatively new. So um, hankering for history is where I found some of this this background. And as they point out, um, a date going on a date wasn't even a term fully um you know recognized until the 1920s um and before then you know it, it just didn't really happen in the same way you think you know um even during that period most dates had a chaperone so like you wouldn't just be going on a date with someone you have a crush on you'd be going on a date with them and maybe their parents or an older sibling <laughs> Um, and, you know, it's it's continued to evolve, especially through um, the 20th century and um, to what we know it now where, you know, uh, we sometimes, you know, if you're on dating apps, you know a lot about a person before you actually meet them 
in person for the first time. So um, it continues to evolve. Um, love is still taking, you know, different shapes for, you know, all the great variety of people that there are. So, um, yeah, let's kind of get into it. Yeah, I really appreciate Kevin's background on like how we define a date, um, especially the chaperone part. For me, not a thing. I would have to like sneak out to go on a date. And that's because, you know, black parents don't play that. Um, and so just like recognizing the autonomy, even though like I didn't have autonomy because I had to sneak out, but like the autonomy that we have on not needing chaperones um, and the freedom that we have to like know a lot about a person, mostly for like women and femmes, like we need to know a lot about the person we're going on a date with just for safety, which is really sad to see how we evolved, but also in a way, the freedom that we have to know a lot about a person um, before we even step foot into that date, which I think is really, really interesting. Yeah. And just to, to contrast on that, you know, for on, on my end, you know, coming up from a more traditional Hispanic background, like my mom is Mexican, my dad's Salvadoran. So they didn't once we once I got became like a teenager, they didn't, you know, block us from dating. They didn't, um, you know, try to keep us from it. In fact, they, you know, were happy, you know, when we were seeing someone. But especially happy when it was someone that they knew from the church mm. you know that's that's usually how it'd be like they would be like oh you know this girl is nice purely because they go to the same church and us <laughs> and they are also you know hispanic and obviously a cisgender female mm. so there was um not not the arranged marriages from you know um other other countries or you know historical periods but just you know kind of pushing um their 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 children in a certain way that would make them happy that is so interesting to see how some things kind of like trickle in one i don't know when my parents wanted me to start dating like i had to take that initiative on my own and i (laughs) and i had to start i started dating at 18 um and so it was just like I didn't have any rules, mostly because I had to create my own rules, mostly because it was something that they just didn't want me to do. Um, I think they were very focused on me getting into college, not getting pregnant early. Um, and I did both of those things. Graduated, team no kids. I'm sure they're proud of that. And they love Kevin to death too. But um, I wish I had the conversation of like what dating could look like with them. But again, it was just like almost taboo to even think about going out alone with a cisgender male or a male in general or just anyone in general too for me it was like i can't even remember a time when they like told us about dating it was just kind of you know hey this girl is nice you know you should you know look at this girl and then the talk you know through uh, in in puberty and then it that was it (laughs) there's no there's no like how you should you know conduct your first date or anything like that it was just kind of sink or swim at least you got the talk um it was definitely uh sink 24 7 really don't know how i made it without a kid because they i think they were under the impression like if they talked about it with me i was gonna do it um and i hope my parents aren't listening but i would (laughs) i was doing it uh not at a very early age but like that lack of education and that lack of like just bridging the gap between all these things that could happen just really set me up for failure. It, it put me in a lot of 
Um, and I'm not blaming a lot of things on them. It's just like how they grew up and what they believe was best for me. But, but because I didn't know a lot of things, I ended up in a lot of shitty situations, like dating shitty men because I didn't I didn't know how to navigate men. I didn't I didn't get to talk about like how to navigate what men truly want. Like it was really just me figuring shit out on my own, which was in hindsight the worst thing you could do to like an 18 year 18 year old fresh out of high school getting ready to go to college fort hayes to be exact and if you went to fort hayes or know hayes kansas you know you know like it is a wild place out there and for them to like not give me any tools um any resources or any knowledge about that and just have me jump in not anything anything about stds too like i was just i was just existing i don't i really don't know how i made it this far yeah um I mean, obviously, I doubt it's any it's a top of mind for any parent about like how their children should go on a date, but you know it's you know something to think about because you know when when you start developing feelings for someone you know really for the first time, and well, one, it's hard to talk about them because you're you know you're you're embarrassed, you feel weird these are these are very new feelings, and when you don't know how to talk about them and you don't exactly know how to bring them up to parents, well, you kind of feel lost in those feelings. And and then when things go, you know, the other way, when it's like a breakup or Mm. some kind of some kind of issue, you know, that then it makes it even harder to talk about those new feelings. You know, how do you how do you deal with heartbreak when, you know, you've never experienced it before? And also you don't have any kind of guidance from any kind of mentor, older figure. Um, It's just. I could tell you, you know, personally that, you know, the first couple of relationships were not, not good <laughs> just because I, I didn't know how to navigate my feelings. Um, I mean, obviously, just as a little teenager, it's little, little dude just um, trying to trying to find a little girl of his dreams or whatever. It, it, it seems like it's the end of the world obviously and mm. just like when when that ends well then that what what's left for me mm. <laughs> that's what i was telling myself at 13 14 years old like that this is the end of my life <laughs> there's nothing left for me because i i am sad so um yeah um there's a there's definitely a lot to navigate and um i'm sh- i'm sure the, the parents have you know some issue with you know that themselves really so true we honestly should have brought a parent we should have brought one of our parents to really sit down not grill them not interrogate them to i would put. grill them i would <laughs> grill them because i would be like you know where where were you you know i want them i want them in front of this mic to talk about their first heartbreak just mm. so you know we could all revel in 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 the pity just have everyone celebrate like yeah god thank god they're yeah. unhappy i think a little schadenfreude is in order here <laughs> I think that's a perfect segue into some of the questions that we have for one another. Uh, We touched on previous romantic relationships. Um, I would like to focus on heartbreak, but we don't have to. We can definitely talk about the highs and lows of our previous uh, relationships and definitely the challenges. And there were a lot of challenges. Again, should not have been left out the house to date at the age of 18. But how have your romantic relationships been previously? Were they centered in autonomy, interdependence, codependence? Like you kind of touched on it previously about like, just a little boy trying to find the little girl of his dreams. And now you are almost 29. Sorry to throw that out there, but you are almost 29. And I think it's the perfect time to reflect on that and reflect on the growth 
that you had? You know, um, I'm sure, you know, I'll, I was doing just a little bit more background reading and, you know, definitely love is not learned, but relationships are mm. and how you navigate those relationships. So I feel just giving off of how I grew up with my parents, I saw, I tried to look for very codependent, like just basically someone I could dump my feelings on mm. um, because I didn't have a whole lot of that. Like I had a, like, you know, I had male best friends, um, but you know, back then, oh yeah, you were gay if you talked about your feelings, you mm. were, I mean, all kinds of other words, but, um, I, I really, you know, thought I needed, you know, uh, a romantic partner at that time to truly be myself, to be my full self. So it was, yeah, it was totally codependence. I mean, even even in our relationship, I'm pretty mm. sure it started out with a lot of codependence um, for the for the same reasons. Um, because like at least for the longest time, I mean, yeah, we had relatives and, you know, we all got together. But uh, I, I just saw. I just saw my parents and their relationship as one unit that is unflinching, that 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 is all that is needed. You know, they are the two parents that raise their kids. And that's just how relationships should be. Mm. Yeah, that's that's real. Uh, same shout out to codependency really got me through a lot from ages 18 to now. Um, but same concept, really just looking at my parents relationships but also coupled with the fact that I didn't get the freedom to explore dating and so I had to do it in secret and then also coupled with the fact that we lived and still live in a society that really values romantic relationships over any other relationship uh, platonic however that looks and because they're not celebrated in the same way that I think they should be um, you kind of feel lonely even when you're surrounded by all these friends, you still feel like, but I'm still missing the one. I'm still missing that kind of love. Even when you're like centered in love from your community or centered in love from your family because r romantic love is just put on this kind of pedestal, you can go through your whole life feeling like you're missing something when you have what you need right in front of you. And that's exactly how I kind of felt. I had good friends. Um, my sisters were my best friends. I had friends in high school. I had friends in college. Um, I was I was really centered around really good people who made me feel loved when I was with them. But then when I was alone, it was just like, but I need someone to tell me that I'm pretty. I need someone like to hold my hand or something. Um, when one, your friends can tell you that you're pretty and also hold your hands. Um, and so there was just a long time where I felt lonely in a room full of people that loved me because of this perception of romantic love. And because of that, I settled for whatever in romantic love because I just needed someone to, to tell me I was pretty or I just needed someone, I just needed to feel fill that void um, that existed, uh, which was really, really bad because when you are 18 years old and you're just settling for anything, you will accept anything. And I really feel bad for younger Tajne because she definitely didn't deserve that. So I was 18 years old um, and I was groomed. I was groomed by like someone who was uh, almost 30 years old. And because I didn't know what a healthy relationship looked like, shout out to my parents, um, because I didn't know that I was surrounded by all this love, because I didn't know that platonic love was just as important as romantic love. I, and I don't wanna place blame on young Tajne because I was 18 and this man was almost 30. But I accepted whatever because he told me I was pretty. 
but also he was taking advantage of 18-year-old Tajanae who just graduated high school, getting ready to go to college and really start her life. Um, and so if I had the conversations about healthy relationships, if I had the conversation that your friendships, the people who love you in your community is just as important, I think I would have had higher standards. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. Like there's just this weird pedestal that romantic love is placed on and I don't think that's fair like once you get in a relationship you drop your friends which I think is so so scary because those are the people who also love you so why would you drop other people that also love you but again it's just it's just this weight that's been placed on romantic relationships you heard it here first tell your friends you love them or they might get groomed (laughs) that's not the lesson but okay But yeah, um, still centered in codependence, just now learning interdependence with Kevin and what that looks like. And we say inner instead of like complete independence because like we still want each other. Like I still want to be around Kevin, but also it's important to have love for my hobbies and love um, for my friends outside of Kevin. And so really trying to find that balance of like doing things with Kevin, but also having the autonomy and the freedom uh, to do that and that's where polyamory kind of comes in and polyamory was really important when finding that autonomy for both of us um, outside of codependency um, so previously young Tajane, shout out to you because you really went through a lot of shit that you did not deserve uh, but it really made you I just I will be talking to my inner child throughout this podcast so please be prepared like I love Tajane to death so shout out to inner Tajane or younger Tajane because you went through so much you did not deserve but it really made you stronger. But again, like you should have been a child at 18. You should have been doing kid things, blacking out at Fort Hay State University. Like you should not have been worrying about anything else other than the love that you are surrounded in. So shout out to you. You're a real one. All right. Um, yeah, that's a good, good cap off, you know. Um, we'll, we will, I mean, both of us will be talking a lot about, you know, not only like past mistakes and, you know, hindsight and moving forward, but you know, really just uh, hammering home that in all this talk about love, you know, no one no one else deserves to be loved than you. And no one else Ooh. is better at loving you than you. So Ooh. let's let's never lose sight of that. You know, when we when we talk about any other topic, you know, it's all about you and your love. So um, going back to the subject of dating, as we mentioned earlier, you know, dating as we know it is extremely new in um you know the course of human history so what what does it mean to you what is well i mean we we're all these questions we ask we're asking you know anyone who's listening but you know as we talk to each other you know tajane you know what what does it dating mean to you dating has like a completely different definition than it was when i was younger for me once i got it once we went on date number one you were my husband you are my you are my spouse we are in this the day i die um, which was, you know, kind of unhealthy, kind of a hyper fixation. But again, 18 year old Tajane, shout out to you. Uh, but now at the age of 26, almost 27, dating should be that freedom. Dating should be you meeting new pe- people, doing what you're doing now, like exploring, going and get drinks, getting to know someone. And the misogynist, you're going to hate this part, but you should be dating multiple people. Um, I don't, it's hard for me to define, like, you've heard of, like, the talking stage, right? Like, the talking stage before you date. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever that means. Like, I still, like, are we committed in the talking stage? Is the talking stage 
just a different word for dating like the talking stage is where we get to know each other if so then what is dating is dating the official name i don't like all that well like on that topic you know um there's a lot of you know talk or theorizing that you know we are now in a hookup culture so when when you know in the first few dates you know you're possibly you know getting intimate you know what is actually the talking phase what what is talking you know um when we say talking phase what does that actually all entail so yeah um dating is still you know it's so new that it, it continues to evolve just like any any concept you know you know movies still finding new ways to push the envelope or new books or you know video games you know they're all seeing transformations for being so relatively new so um who knows what dating will look like you know in the next 10 years um because um yeah going just off of what you said um you know i i mean before entering polyamory um you know (laughs) the only person i dated for you know five years was was Tajanae and um and that was still just you know a lot of just getting to know each other um finding you know what we liked about each other and what you know talking about the things we didn't particularly like <laughs> um not, not that there was many but you know <laughs> just trying to address those and you know obviously you gotta see some of the, like the the lower points of somewhere some things that you don't particularly like about someone so you can understand or like is this is this a person that i could see myself with um but you know that's even changed since i've gotten back in the dating world now it's like now now it is truly you know getting to new know new people um and that's really interesting it's um kind of opening yourself up to the to a community again because Mm. there's always been community there and everywhere there's been friends and there's all kinds of social events but there is a different kind of community in dating there's a a community of people who want community Mm. that's so real yeah uh you don't have to take our definitions for the definitions but dating to me is getting to know people do does this person do i want this person in my life as a friend do i want this person in my life as something long term um how am i wanting to define that and you take the time to get them to know that person or multiple people i think that's something that got lost in the culture like you should be able to go on dates with multiple people and narrow down your options or for us i guess it's like make room for adding more people into our lives um so dating is just that introduction phase like it's no strings attached like figure out what you want figure out what you want and communicate that if it's literally just a hookup like be real with yourself and then move on if that's not what you want or continue into that if that is what you want but the dating part is the get to know you part it's it should be the tinder bio part like if we didn't have tinder if we didn't have these dating apps dating would be okay so what is this person about what does this person want in the future what is this person looking for maybe don't say your height when you sit down at the table like hi i'm kevin i'm 6'3 because kevin is 6'3 if he believes in it but that's what it should be so you know we we touched on dating we've been talking about dating for a little bit but now you know let's take it a step further let's say you've gone on a few dates with a person you're starting to really like them and then you realize maybe it's something a little bit more than like so um let's let's go back to love you know the kind of kind of the focus of this podcast so um 
Tajane, what did what did your parents or family members, what did anyone, oh, you know, God. growing up, what did you learn about love? You know, just from, you know, your experiences, somewhat maybe they told you straight up, this is what love is, or it's just from what you saw growing up. Mm. So parents did not sit me down and teach me about love. No clear definition on what it was when I was younger. And I think I would mistake lust for love. Um, which I think a lot of people do. Um, and I, and I want to name, um, that Kevin and I are reading or in the process of reading all about love by bell hooks. And something that is mentioned by bell hooks a lot is that love is a verb. It's an action. And so that's something I figured out when I was older. And so the things your, your, your love languages basically. So the things that people do for me, how they take care of me, how they care about me, um, things like that, that, that is love, that action is love, but it was never attributed to that. And so when I was younger, love was the butterflies that I got when I saw my crush. Love was the feeling I got when someone held my hand or when they kissed me or after sex. I attributed all those feelings and emotions to love, but never the actions. Because a lot of times I was in shitty situations and shitty relationships and they treated me like shit. And that could be attributed to love, but because they gave me butterflies or they because they made me feel like that, that's what I focused on the most. Um, so when we, when I was talking about like I was centered in community and I had a lot of friends in college, still do, but I had a lot of friends in college who loved me, they were showing me love through action. So buying me food or joking in the Office of Diversity and Inclusion or um, going, just hanging out or going to the park or do whatever, those actions were actions of love that I didn't realize were love until the big age of 26. Um, so when I was younger, it was just the feeling. It was that movie feeling. I, lo- I watched a lot of rom-coms. Shout out to Jennifer Lopez, queen of all romantic comedies. Um, but that's what I thought it was. Like love at first sight. Like, oh my gosh, I'm a maid and like you're a millionaire. And we're going to fall in love together. Um, star-crossed lovers. Things like that. Things that... Um, movies and songs and books take advantage of and capitalize on that's what I thought I should be looking for whereas I've been centered in it my whole life what about you no that's good um yeah that that in some ways you know we kind of had a similar experience you know I learned a lot about at least what I envisioned to be true love through my parents you Mm. know um, my parents did not have a perfect relationship by any means, but when I did see them, you know, kind of just, they, they had, you know, inside jokes and they would make mm. each other laugh. And, you know, sometimes I would just look at them and like, wow, I, I do hope that I could be in a relationship like them. Um, again, let me reiterate, they were not perfect, <laughs> um, not for each other and not for us. Um, but you know they've been together you know more than 25 years now and mm. you know if there isn't some kind of love in there then <laughs> i can't i, I don't want to say that my parents are living 25 plus years of lies but you know there there's nothing nothing at this point that could tell me that they they don't have anything else other than you know love for each other um so that's definitely the more positive side of love but again yeah you know i am a a male living in you know 21st century america i see you know what gets pushed off as love what gets sold 
as love, you know, in, in, in movies and in, in TV shows that, you know, especially, well, not even, you know, the 21st or the 20th century ones, you know, the stuff from the 90s that or even earlier than that, that's the stuff that really pushes mm. this kind of like love at first sight. Like I have to have that person. That Will and Jada kind of love. <laughs> <laughs> and nothing else will do. Um and I'm sure, like, a lot of, you know, boys my age kind of really internalized that and, you know, took that as, you know, if I don't have this specific person, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. Mm. And that's not, you know, that's not the healthy way of thinking. Um, but, you know, there's, well, I guess what most people don't tell you about love is, like, you know, you'll feel it one day super strong. You know, you go on that date or you have that first kiss with someone and you're just all a flutter. You just you just can't think of anything else. And then, and then it's the next day. You know, you have to go to school. You have to go to work. Yeah, you're still thinking about them, but you know, life continues, mm. and it's not always you know with that same love. So, um, it's it's the day to day stuff that really kind of determines what you really feel about a person. You know. You, do you, if you don't care about them at all, if you're not even thinking about them, like, do you actually love them? Or, mm. you know, if you just have to, you know, see them. Like, I've, you know, we talk about, you know, codependency and stuff like that. You know, I feel personally, like, call this healthy, call this unhealthy. I feel like I need to see Tajanae pretty much every single Aww. day for me to have some kind of good day. Yay. So, um, I... I Call it codependent. I don't care. <laughs> I, I, I feel that that is um, an important part of our love and our relationship. So um, that's, you know, again, love is an everyday thing and it changes. It changes, but it also stays the same. Mm, I want to go back to the conversation about our parents because my parents also did not have the best relationship for a good portion of my life. So kind of reflecting, what did that teach us? We saw the worst of our parents. Like we saw awful things between them and they still stayed together. So what does that teach us in our almost two years of marriage that when things, and things get hard in our marriage, but so far it hasn't been as bad as anything that our parents have experienced. But what does that teach us? Like for me, it's just like, I'm supposed to stay when my husband does X and X could be, pretty awful things. Um, shout out to my parents. Um, and my mom stayed through all that. My grandma stayed through all that. So what does that teach me, a young person about love, a young femme about love? Like, okay, I'm supposed, and being black too. Like we got to throw our race in there. Like a, a couple with being a woman, a black woman in our family, what does that teach us that we're supposed to stay when our husband cheats? We're supposed to stay when our husband abuses us. Like our family is not going to look at us the same. We're not going to get the same support. We have kids now, so we need to stay for the kids. Like what my parents, my grandparents and everyone in between, what they taught me, is that some, is that love? Is that something that I'm supposed to stick through? Hell no. Um, and that's just me. Shout out to my parents for being resilient um and it's just it's just it comes with the time like my mom probably didn't have the access to leave my grandma didn't probably my probably didn't have the access to leave and so much other stigma that comes with that but because love is new and love has all these new freedoms i can take advantage of that i can leave 
I have the autonomy to lead. I have the freedom to challenge. I have the freedom to do all these things. Um, just we'll see about that. Okay. <laughs> just existing in 21st century. And so that that's why I love the concept of learning love in this first episode being named Love is New because love also comes with these new freedoms that didn't exist for our ancestors. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously that there has been, you know, crushes, you know, since probably the beginning of, you know, before we could be even considered, you know, humans, you know, and who knows, maybe maybe animals um, across the world have, you know, little crushes that one, you know, really, really pretty bird that, you know, they just can't get out of their heads. Um, but so this is not, you know, a new like, yes, it's new in that, you know, historically, you know, marriages and um, relationships were not decided strictly by the people in the relationship and um that's just how it was because you know relationships were more of a survival slash resource Mm. um kind of minded act or practice rather than what it is now it is well it's a choice it's an activity it's you know, for some people, they just habitually date. It's almost like a hobby for them. Mm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with any of them. Of course, you know, blo- most people, you know, they find the most fulfillment in a single committed relationship with one other person. Mm. And, you know, just because there are growing and evolving relationship styles that are, you know, kind of growing more in popularity you know, every single day and every year, mm-hmm. that doesn't um, negate the fact that for a large majority of people, you know, that they have their friends, you know, they have, you know, their their children. But it, other than that, like a single romantic partner is what makes them truly happy. Mm. Very real, very real. I think that's a good um, transition into our last question. What does love look like now for you? And that could be, your relationship style that could be how you love that could be um how you grown or the emotions and relationships that you feel because now you're married but now you get to date and so love can look completely different than it did when we fell in love back in like what 2018 um so i'm curious well um kind of like touching on what you said earlier that love is a verb and you know that is true um my what it looks like for me now is just you know it's a it's a task for me it's Mm. not not because it it's um it it requires a lot of effort it does but it's not like this is like a burden no it is a challenge because for the longest time i've you know struggled with you know being an introvert struggling to you know connect and reconnect with people um and not want well it was it's wanting love but not knowing how to express it myself. And a lot of the ways, a lot of a lot of what I've come to find out is like, I mean, to 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 receive love, you have to give it. Not always, but it helps. You know, not everyone, you know, not everyone is going to know what you need. And so sometimes you have to, you have to say it. You have to say what you need, or you have to take it upon yourself to to, to really to you owe it to yourself um so what well, i guess in a roundabout way what does love look like now love looks like <laughs> um a mountain 
mm. not a particularly steep one, but it's 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 has its you know it has its moments. It's it gets a little steep here and there, maybe a little bit rocky. Footing's not too stable, but I know why I want to get to the top. Mm-hmm. I know why I'm doing this, and you know through it all, I have I have I have my. I have my walking buddy. That's me. And um, I think as long as I have, you know, I have the right tools in mind and, you know, I, I always strive to to learn more. I think with some of those m- things in mind, you know, maybe I won't get to the top, right? maybe ever, mm. but, you know, in a, in, a, in a corny way, in the cliche, you know, it's not about the destination, it's the Aww. journey. That was cute. I wish I could come up with, like, metaphors off the top of my head, but I'm just going to steal yours. Um, before you attempt to climb this mountain, there are tools and resources you need. Because, again, you probably won't make it to the top, but you don't want it to be as more rocky than it already is. You want to you wanna be prepared for whatever comes. Yeah, yeah. Um, you don't want to make it harder on yourself. And so what do your tools look like? What are, what are, what's, in, what's in Kevin's little backpack? <laughs> well, um, it, it goes without saying, but, you know, in any relationship, whether it's monogamous or polyamorous or whatever amorous agamous you want to <laughs> pursue, um, it's it's communication. Mm. You know, you know, there, as far as I know, there's no mind readers out there. So um, <laughs> your partners, um, your whoever you're dating, your spouses or just spouse, um, they won't know, you know, really how you're feeling or what what's on your mind at any given time they could you know make a very educated guess and maybe they're right but not all the time Mm -hmm. you you owe it to yourself and any all of your partners to really be open um with yourself and with them you know it and that's that's sometimes the hardest step is you know admitting to yourself that you know about just some kind of feeling um, and, and really that's, that's the biggest thing I've learned, especially recently is just, um, having that communication. If you feel like there's something you can't communicate with your partner for whatever reason, that's, that's a problem in and of itself. Mm, really glad that you brought a com- com- communication because that's exactly what I was thinking. Um, and you can challenge me on this, but if you have been with your partner for X amount of years and you think your communication is solid, you are wrong. Um, I've been with Kevin. I've known Kevin since 2016, um, been dating since 2018, five years, uh, almost two years being married. And before we became polyamorous and we opened up, I thought our communication was solid. I thought we were good. Oh my gosh. We were talking all the time. We were able to get through conflict. Like I thought I was like, wow, there is no couple on this planet that could top us right now. And then we became polyamorous. All that shit went out the window. Oh my God. I felt like I forgot how to talk. It has, polyamory has really challenged communication and how you talk to your spouse or your partner or whoever you are dating. It is different. And I'm not built different. I'm built average. So entering in this, Um, thinking that you had all the tools that you needed, you're going to need a lot of extra tools. Um, And if you are monogamous and you plan to stay monogamous, I love that for you. Really challenge yourself when it comes to communication. Like again, Kevin and I have been monogamous since 2018, thought our communication was good, opened up and realized that we have a lot more shit that we need to deal with than we thought. 
Yeah, and um, kind of using that to, to segue in like the next little tool that, you know, I've still really come to, you know, come to understand is um, not just communication, but community, Ooh. you know, um, with being, you know, with at least, you know, just opening. I mean, just taking that leap to talk to people again, especially people you don't know, you come to realize like, hey, like, no, you don't, you're not, especially in polyamory, you don't have to, well, date or sleep with, or you don't have to do anything with any person just because, you know, you have a new label slapped onto you. Um, And, you know, through this, I've realized, you know, just in meeting people, I've come to, you know, know, people that I wouldn't have met otherwise, but I'm glad I did. And now, you know, it's, it's friendship. It's, um, mm. it's somewhere, someone to, you know, look to for advice. Um, cause they just have, you know, it's new perspectives. It's, you know, maybe they don't have experience in a problem you're facing, but you know, they, if they're eager to talk to you or if, if they're willing to hear you out and, you know, they give your perspective that just, that might be the little thing you need that you didn't previously have. You know, so, you know, you don't have to, you know, trauma dump per se, but, you know, opening yourself up, you know, to, you know, your, your, your closest friend or, you know, just to a mentor or just someone you can truly rely on. That's, that's valuable. You know, you can't just, you know, work things out or work everything out, you know, within just a relationship, you know, you, you have to sometimes go a little bit outside. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes they get quiet because it's just like, wow, this man is speaking facts right now. But yeah, um, community when it you need it when you need to lean on when things get hard when relationships get hard, but also community like when your partner is out on the date like that is so real to me. Like community and hobbies have been like really really big for me um, when navigating polyamory. When Kevin is out on a date, I can sit with myself. And that's usually what I do. Um, Or I can lean on people that are already in my community. I can call my sister. I can go hang out with friends. Or I take up hobbies, too. I've been crocheting. I do diamond painting. All those things are really, really important when it comes to building a solid foundation. And it's good for monogamy, too. Like, your partner may not be out on a date, but if your partner is out, like, playing a sport or hanging with their friends, who are you outside of that relationship? What do you like to do when your partner isn't there and you're not just like twiddling your thumbs waiting for them to come back or you're you can definitely join them especially if they want you there but like if it's something that you don't want to do what is it that you like to do outside of your romantic relationship who are you outside of your romantic relationship and those are really really important questions to ask when it comes to dating and being married or monogamy or polyamory it's just these are all really really important tools that you need um or even really just living yeah you know um obviously you don't need to you know drastically alter your relationship style to to reach these questions but you know um that's that's something that has kind of come back in a big way is just kind of questioning you know who i am what i stand for even and um you know not i'm not like you know staring at the edge of a cliff you know questioning everything about my life shout out to kendall roy (laughs) but i'm also you know just there's a lot of things that i thought 
you know, in entering polyamory, there's so many things that I thought were just the established norms that I just thought were there because they needed to be mm. that are not. Um, so in a way, it's almost like the safety net is gone. But um, the best part about it is like with the right tools, with the right, um, yeah, with the right, with the right pieces of, of um, advice or with the right community, you know, you find that there are plenty of other safety nets that you're you're not really alone in this and that there is plenty of love to go around Mm. and there we have it folks that is a really good stopping point for our very first episode Um, we seriously want to thank our community our friends new friends family and everyone in between for joining us love is a huge nuanced conversation that goes beyond romance And we are so excited to break down all the barriers, the misconceptions, help you figure out your own tools, you know, get you a little backpack like Kevin when climbing up this mountain uh, to grow and learn together. The world is really, really scary out there. And we have been corny most throughout this whole podcast. But as corny as it sounds, we could all use a little more love and community when navigating the world. So if you want to see more of my amazing, awesome, beautiful takes and opinions, because I am that girl. Um, you can follow me on Twitter and Insta at Tajane S, which is just my first name and my first initial with my last name. Um, and that's where I'll be posting more updates, uh, about learning love. Kevin, anything you want to say? Um, yeah, you know, this is, um, this is an exciting little project that, you know, we've been talking about it and, um, I'm really excited to see where it takes us, you know? Um, I personally want to um, reach out to, you know, different kinds of maybe not experts, but just I just want to, you know, hear from people. And so you might hear different voices um, on this podcast, you know, just because we love, you know, getting different takes, um, you know, getting a different side, you know, of love, of life, of really anything, you know, just different perceptions, perspectives. Um, And so if you want to um learn more about me or see more of my works um good luck (laughs) um yeah i'm not active like tajane is so if if you really want to reach out you know find me hit him up on his um pigeon you know or his chimney smoke that's how you can reach him if you look me up in the in the yellow pages Send me, send me a letter. I'll, I'll, if you send me a letter, I'll write back. I promise you. That is my guarantee. That's it, folks. Really excited um, for our next episode. And again, my social media is where you're going to find all the updates, any questions that you have. You're not going to be able to reach Kevin. So sorry about that. But until next time. Sayonara.